you know, whatever it is, if it's not working for you, you have to go by your own inner rules because it's really true. If you're not happy, you're not going to be a happy mom. Welcome back to the Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we've got you covered. I'm Stephanie Grinke, registered dietitian and program manager for Whole Mamas Club. I'm also the co-creator of Whole Mamas Pregnancy Program and upcoming postpartum program. My co-host is Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and founder of Nourish Medical Center. Before we introduce this week's guest, Ilana and I want to share another podcast update with you. As mentioned in last week's episode, we have been working on ways we can improve our podcasts to better serve you. With close to 200 episodes, we have learned a lot and have so many new ideas we want to work into our podcast. Starting in July, we'll be taking a brief pause to recharge and help us plan exciting new content for you starting again Tuesday, August 4th. Ready for the next major announcement? We're excited to share that when we return from our short break, our new podcast name will be the Dr. Mom Podcast. We're leaning into our professional accreditations more, myself as a dietitian and Ilana as a naturopathic doctor, and hope the new title will feel even more empowering to parents who want to advocate for their family's health and wellness. We will continue to provide practical health tips and interviews with leading experts so you can be a proactive parent. Want to learn more about this transition, what it will look like, and how we're going to better support you as a listener? Tune into our episode at the end of this month, so next week, where Ilana and I will share what's to come. Today, I'm excited to share the second part of my interview with Dr. Aviva Ram. This time, we're focusing on postpartum health. If you'd like to hear her take on optimizing your thyroid and adrenal health during the preconception period or pregnancy, make sure you check out last week's podcast episode where we address those specific seasons. Dr. Aviva and I had such a great conversation, and when we hit the one-hour mark on our last interview, I knew I could not let her go without having her share her incredible insights into adrenal and thyroid health for postpartum. Mamas are often given less information and support after having their baby, and I couldn't fathom just stopping at the one-hour mark and leaving all of our mama friends and listeners hanging. I hope this info provides you with tools and information so you can understand what's happening to your body in the postpartum period and have info and tools to help you feel better. All right, now on to the show. Okay, and we're back with Dr. Aviva Ram to continue our discussion. You shared so much great information, and I didn't want to stop you, and I wanted to make sure we gave the mamas and mamas-to-be all this information so that they can make the best choices for themselves and their family. So thank you for agreeing to do a part two. So we want to talk about postpartum, which I know you and I are just so excited to share information about because it's an area that's not often talked about. I feel like moms get a lot of attention during the pregnancy. And I don't know if you just saw that meme or that social media post that was like, how many visits moms get during their pregnancy? And then in the postpartum period, they get one. Yeah, I've been really big on teaching pediatricians and family doctors to do postpartum care because often the baby gets, you know, a visit every couple of weeks. And I'm like, you as pediatricians and family doctors seeing the baby are the ones who are going to be asking mom how she's doing. And they're like, yeah, but we take care of the baby. I'm like, yeah, but if mom isn't okay, baby isn't okay. So you have to because moms get one postpartum visit at six weeks postpartum. And it's like, if you wait till six weeks postpartum and you've been having postpartum depression or you've been having a breastfeeding problem, often 
it's so far gone with breastfeeding that the mom's just given up, understandably so, or she's had such bad postpartum depression by now that she's hating the experience of being a new mom. And that's just not fair. So we've got to be doing as a, as a home birth midwife, I did a day one postpartum visit, a day three, a day seven, a day 10. And then mom and the, or the couple could come back at two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. I mean, I was doing like eight postpartum visits and you need it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I just, when you're talking about that, it's too long to wait. I think about, you know, when we have a cold or a flu, it's really bad flu season right now. Like if we go for two or three days and we're feeling miserable with that flu, we go and see a doctor immediately, right? To get help. But I feel like there's this expectation that like you just have to struggle through those six weeks or struggle through postpartum. And it really doesn't have to be that way. It's hard, but it's so hard. You know, it was funny. I was talking to a midwife friend of mine the other day and she's been a midwife for like 45 years now. And she was saying, so she's seen kind of the trajectory, right? The arc of obstetric care for almost 50 years now. And she was saying how, in our mom's day, um, and she's in her 60s and I'm 53, um, you typically stayed in the hospital for a week after you had your baby. And then our my generation was like, that's ridiculous. This is not a sickness. So we fought to get leave early, right? Like Because you were like, you can't leave before three days. You can't leave before five days if you've had a C-section. So you were almost like a captive audience in a sense, or you can leave, but we won't let your baby leave. Um, and so we fought really hard to have women be able to leave the hospital within 24 hours if everything was fine, you know? And she was saying to me, but the loss of that is women are going home 24 hours after their baby and women are still at risk of developing postpartum high blood pressure, postpartum preeclampsia, um, depression, and and they're not getting that support. They're also not tucked into bed for three to five days with people waiting on them and checking on them. And, you know, so there's been a loss of that in the same time there's been a loss of our aunties and our sisters and our moms and our grandmoms circling around us in a community and feeding us and nourishing us in those days. And it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot, a lot. So we need that support. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, with this conversation of thyroid health, I can't remember exactly what your quote was, but I remember you said something in a podcast that I, I just could picture. And it was it was along the lines of, you know, being a new mom is hard. It's like trying to run around and live your life while holding a baby in one arm the entire time. Oh, yeah. Holding a baby in one arm and pushing the piano up the, pushing a piano up the hill with the other. Yes. And then having hypothyroid postpartum is like holding a baby in one arm, pushing a piano up the hill. But with your arm, other arm tied behind your back, you know, yes. it's, a lot. it's a lot. It's a lot. So you know, your hormones are going crazy too. They're just, it's the biggest hormone change that we ever experience in that short a period of time. We all know what puberty is like. I'm starting to have a sense of what perimenopause is like. These are big hormonal changes in our life, but they're happening incrementally compared to postpartum. You've got this huge buildup of estrogen and progesterone and relaxing and and all of a sudden, boom, you know, you have the baby and your progesterone and estrogen bottom out. And those are feel good hormones. And with it, your serotonin, which is another feel good hormone can drop. And especially if you're breastfeeding, because prolactin can suppress that. So it, there's a lot going on, you know, in that newborn period. And it's not like these little people come with instructions either. So 
Yeah, that would be nice if you got your own customized to your baby's needs. <laughs> so, so what's so what's happening? So we know that there's a significant drop in progesterone and estrogen in the postpartum period. That's what a lot of people are familiar with. But when it comes to thyroid hormone in the postpartum period, what's the shift that's happening there? So as you go back to not being pregnant, that metabolism goes down some, right? If you're breastfeeding, you're still producing milk. So your metabolism is up to some extent, but, um, your thyroid hormone starts to level out. Your thyroid function starts to level out, but for a substantial number of women, postpartum can bring along with it postpartum thyroiditis. And that can come in the form of either a hyper functioning thyroid, in which case a woman may feel incredibly anxious and hyped up. And it might be that she's just really anxious and people are saying, oh, it's normal to be anxious. You're a new mom. You know, of course, we're all anxious. Um, But she can be anxious to the point of really worrying that something horrible is going to happen to the baby or if she has a partner having terrors that something's going to happen to the partner. That hyperthyroid may be keeping her from sleeping. So even when she should or would be able to sleep in the afternoon with the baby or get a little bit of sleep here and there at night, she is wired, like, you know, like she did cocaine or drank eight Red Bulls or something wired. And the other thing is that, um, and and people may say that's normal, by the way, like, oh, well, of course you're not sleeping. Of course you're anxious. It's normal new mom stuff. The other thing is that women who have hyperthyroid often lose that baby weight that they gain during pregnancy really quickly. So they may actually even be getting validated for the term I really dislike, bounce back, because we're not the same after we've had a baby as before. But she may be like, oh, you're bouncing back so quick and you have so much energy. And people are missing the fact that she's actually got this rampantly overactive thyroid. Another scenario is that she has the exact opposite experience. Her thyroid just tanks out. And any of this can happen in the first year or 18 months. We're not just necessarily talking about immediate postpartum. You might feel fine for the first three months and then life is supposed to go back to normal, right? Like the way we're treated. Oh, well, you're three months, baby's three months old, back to work, back to this, back to the, you know, that. And then you start to get these symptoms. And so people might say, oh, well, you're going back to work. No, nor It's normal that you're anxious. Um, but also with postpartum hypothyroid, you can feel mildly or moderately or severely depressed. You might be having trouble losing baby weight, in which case it may be really affecting your body image and your self-esteem because there's so much value placed in our culture on being slim and bouncing back. Um, you may have trouble with breast milk production, which if you were you know, bent on breastfeeding, which I hope a lot of women ideally would be um, if they can, it can be devastating to not be able to produce enough milk. On top of that, if you're not producing enough milk, baby might not be gaining weight. So you're getting a lot of pressure on top of being terrified and worried about your baby's weight. Um, hypothyroidism may make you need to sleep a lot because it may make you feel really, really, really tired but it may also affect your sleep. So you're exhausted, but you can't sleep. And if you think about it, not being able to sleep, being really tired, not losing baby weight, feeling depressed, those can also all be chalked up to normal and not producing enough breast milk. Oh, well, you know, lots of women can't. So just give formula as opposed to somebody saying, wow, maybe there's a problem. And there's one more really important thing that can happen 
a lot of women, and we're talking, you know, 20 to 40% of women who develop a thyroid problem may start out as hyperthyroid. So they're, they've got a lot of energy and they're losing the baby weight and then they become hypo. Their thyroid burns out into a hypo. So they went from high thyroid to low thyroid. But here's the whammy that can happen. Their thyroid function, so it's that TSH that I mentioned in our last episode, that thyroid stimulating hormone, that is usually what's telling you if the thyroid function is normal, hyper, or hypo. When your thyroid is over-functioning, that TSH is really low. When your thyroid is under-functioning, the, the TSH gets high. So think about a number line, right? And think about zero, let's just pretend zero is the middle and hyper is really close to zero and hypo, so fast functioning with a low TSH is close to zero. Hyper is going to, hypo, slow functioning is going to be close to five. But let's say that normal is somewhere between one and 3.5. So you're on this number line, you're low functioning, you're feeling really energized, your doctor checks and you're like, not that low. And so they miss it and say, okay, that was normal. You were just anxious. Now you're starting to feel depressed and kind of crappy and not enjoying your baby and your breast milk production's going down and you're on your way to hypo. But in order to get from low to high, you have to cross over normal. And so when you go to your doctor and you get tested, you may still, your numbers may still be in the normal range while you're heading to hypo. And so now you're, you get tested and you're told you're normal. And so your numbers are normal. You went from feeling super energized and now you're really tired. You went from feeling really amped up and now you're depressed. Now your breast milk production's going down and you're told it's not your thyroid. And then you can feel really depressed and really crazy and not get help because it's not your thyroid. So what's there to do about it? So then it's just chalked up to like, oh, well, you're just a mom who's not coping or this is normal, but you know something's not normal. So pushing to have those levels retested in another few weeks, four to six weeks can make all the difference because it may not show up yet. It was a super long answer, but that kind of covers a lot of the nuances of what can happen. And I just want to reiterate, this can happen anytime in the first 18 months. So you know, at one year postpartum, if you're suddenly feeling depressed and you still haven't lost the weight and you're, you're even trying and it's not budging or any of the symptoms, your, your, you know, hair loss is a tricky one because it's normal to lose some of your hair around four months postpartum. That's just a normal thing that can happen. But if it's more than normal or you're constipated or you have any of the symptoms that I talk about, you know, in my ample blogs and in my book, um, it's really important to not just say this is normal. Not that I want people to be overdiagnosed, but I don't want a diagnosis to get missed that may make a difference in whether you're enjoying being a mom or coping with being a mom. Yeah, I think that's a really great point about it shifting. And depending on when they test you, it, it could show up as not really a full picture of what's going on. And you mentioned, you know, the the breastfeeding and even with mental health con concerns like postpartum depression and anxiety, you can certainly do a lot of things to, to support those. Um, but if you're not 
addressing one of the underlying causes that your thyroid is imbalanced, then you're going to kind of be spinning your wheels and maybe not get the results that you want from even maybe the medication that you're taking for those things. So it really is a, a concern that we want to look and not overlook and make sure we continue following up with testing, even if it looks normal at one point. Um yeah, and a lot of doctors will not treat postpartum hypo. With postpartum hyperthyroid, most times you don't need any medication at all. And the medications aren't usually indicated when you're breastfeeding unless you really, really need them. So with postpartum hyper, you can use things like lemon balm and motherwort to manage the symptoms, the heart racing and the anxiety, and there are other herbs you can use. And also, if you're really severely anxious or severe heart racing, there are a couple of medications that can be safely used while you're breastfeeding. But with postpartum hypo, it can last for months or a year or a year and a half. And if it's severe, and your doctor's saying, oh, well, this is postpartum hypo. We don't need to treat that. Well, I would argue, and and look, I mean, I, I've had four of my kids at home. I personally have taken one pharmaceutical in 35 years. I've taken an antibiotic once. I mean, it's I'm not big on jumping on the medication bandwagon. I don't prescribe medications a lot in my practice, and I certainly try not to over-prescribe them. But when it comes to postpartum thyroid, I have put women on medication, and they have said to me, oh my God, Dr. Aviva, it's like somebody turned the lights on and I was in the dark with my baby. Or it's like somebody put the windshield wipers on and I can see again. Or I've had a woman say, it's like somebody put jumper cables on my car when my engine, my battery was dead, you know? And if it can make a difference in being able to feel like you're able to take care of your baby and have a sense of self-esteem as a mom compared to struggling, I think it's worth it. It doesn't mean you have to stay on them forever. Yeah, absolutely. So what other natural things could we do in the postpartum period to help with our mood and to help with the lack of sleep that we're combating and, and all of those other things that can occur that could really take a, a, a hit on our thyroid and adrenals? I mean, I really feel like getting help is the most important, being willing to ask for and receive help. And whether that's hiring a postpartum doula, trading off with another mom in your yoga group or childbirth education class or your neighborhood um, with, you know, spotting each other for naps. If you have a partner, you know, there's no rule that mama has to be the only one to get up during the night. And if you're really struggling, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for breastfeeding and I'm not a huge fan of, of using bottles if you don't have to. But we know, we absolutely know that all of the old stories about bottles and breast nipple confusion have been proven wrong. And so if it's a matter of your partner getting up in the middle of the night for one of the baby feeds and giving baby a bottle of breast milk, if you are breastfeeding or just feeding baby, if you're not, and you get those few hours of sleep, um, that can make a huge difference. Napping when the baby naps, getting outside. And it honestly, it doesn't really matter what climate you live in, unless you're like in the Arctic or something, um, bundling baby up, putting baby in a front pack or backpack or stroller, whatever you prefer to use, getting outside for a walk. If baby is fussy, getting baby outside is one of the quickest ways to quiet baby down. And so you get peace, you get a walk, fresh air can make a huge difference. And if you are able to get a massage, um, you know, have somebody come to your house for a massage. If you live in a city where there's a massage school, a lot of times those students need 
warm bodies to massage. Um, all of those things can make a huge difference. I'm huge on, particularly for the first six weeks postpartum, having food trees where mamas in the community support each other by dropping meals off. And it doesn't mean you get to come in and give baby a squeeze. It just means you drop the meal off so that family doesn't have to cook. Um, everything you can do to prepare ahead with you know, frozen food, um, making life easy for yourself. If you have older kids and they're not in school yet, getting help with the older kids. It's all about, you know, I, I really, in, when I was in Italy, I met this man who he was running a store that his mom owns. It was this beautiful store selling Italian merino wool, whatever it was, sweaters. And we walked in and this young guy, late twenties was running the store. And he said, yeah, my mom owns this store and she was pregnant with me in this store and I was always playing under these tables when I was a kid. And then he got into this whole thing. If mama ain't, isn't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I really feel like there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, if if you're feeling like you're at the end of the rope, if you're doing family bed, if you're at the end of the rope, breastfeeding, you know, whatever it is, if it's not working for you, you have to go by your own inner rules because it's really true. If you're not happy you're not going to be a happy mom. And it doesn't mean your kid won't be happy, but you deserve to be a happy mom. Yeah. And the energy is really contagious. I know the times where I come home from work and I'm exhausted. My kids are fussy and they act up or you know, the times where I'm in a really good mood, I feel like the house just flows so much better. And that's totally. definitely like even with babies, but definitely as they get older and toddlers, we can all really feel another person's energy and it makes a difference on us. And so that's really why we talk about that nourish yourself segment and how it's so important that we put ourselves first. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're so fed this idea that we're supposed to lean in and have everything and do it all and be it all. And we can't do and be and have it all, all at once. It's just not actually possible. And these are kind of cultural constructs that have evolved over like very specific historical events, you know, first wave feminism, second wave feminism, third wave feminism, and how these have kind of compounded to where we're now expected to you know, literally, like when I was a kid, there was this TV commercial that was for this perfume called Anjali. And the thing was, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and still never let you forget you're a man. And it's like, even though as adult women, we don't like we can look at that objectively and laugh at it. But the reality is on a deeper level, this is what our culture expects of us, that we're supposed to be the breadwinner or, you know, engaged in meaningful work to be intelligent feminist women and then come home and breastfeed the baby and make dinner and help the kids with homework and then still be like these sort of sexually powerful women. Or we may be women who are in communities where if we are working, you know, we're in a natural mama group that makes us feel guilty for working like we should be home. There is really no when for us. And so finding what brings us inner peace. And this is another really important piece is being around people that support you and your choices. Honestly, there is no room for judgy mom stuff. And if you're around judgy moms, 
you're not in a supportive group. And I have had women who have come up to me at conferences, come into my practice, contacted me on social media saying they were ostracized from a natural mom group because they had an epidural or a C-section or because they decided to give their baby a bottle. And look, I breastfed my oldest kid for longer than I will say on, on this podcast, but for years. And I breastfed all four. I'm that attachment home mommy. And I homeschooled too. And I can say in retrospect, like 53 years of being alive and my oldest kid's turning 35 this year. There are moms who didn't do that stuff and their kids are just as healthy as mine. You know, we all have kids that have struggles. We all have kids that go through things no matter what, how perfectly, you know, we thought we were doing it. And if it's just making you miserable or making you unhappy or making you, there's some element of it that's exhausting no matter what we do, but there is just no room to judge each other or to be judged. So that has got to stop in our mommy circles completely. Oh, for sure. And there's so many moms that aren't that way. I think, I think we might feel like, well, that's just how all mom groups are, but I know we have to find the ones that aren't. Yes. And they're really out there. I know we've really cultivated that in our whole mama's pregnancy program group. And, and there's never been, I mean, in the, the four or five years, there really hasn't been that. And so for sure. Find a new group yeah, if you're feeling I agree. Judged. Yes, yes. So just wrapping up um, the conversation about postpartum, we talked about thyroid and, and how we should be tested throughout pregnancy. When it comes to labs in the, the postpartum period, what should we be looking at when it comes to, you know, maybe something else outside of thyroid to make sure we're feeling good? Um, maybe if, let's say we maybe had yeah. a, like a hemorrhaging after yes. birth or, you know, what, what should we be looking for? Cause I know it's, it's thyroid is very important, but what other labs? Yeah. So, you know, you hit the nail right on the head is iron. Pregnancy demands a lot of iron. Uh, if we've had heavy bleeding at birth, it doesn't have to be a hemorrhage, but if you had a C-section, uh, if you had a traumatic vaginal birth, heavy bleeding, then get your iron checked. Get your not just your iron. Um, you want your hemoglobin and hematocrit checked, but you want your ferritin checked because you can have an, a relatively normal hemoglobin and hematocrit, which are the standard blood tests for iron. But if your ferritin is low, your iron stores could be low, and that can make you feel really tired. The other thing is, a lot of us are walking around with low vitamin D, and um, Vitamin D being low can lead to some amount of depression too. If you're a vegan, your B12 might be low. And so making sure your B12 is in the normal range, which really you want it to be not lower than 600, um, even down to 400 is in the normal range. But below that, it can make you feel tired too. And then just, you know, redouble on your diet. Make sure that you're not restricting. It's so easy to be like, oh, I'm postpartum. I want to lose some baby weight. Cut out your carbs, go on a cleanse, go on a detox. And all of a sudden you find yourself more depleted, more exhausted. Um, so really keep following your body for your nutrition. Stay on your prenatal vitamin when you're postpartum because that can really help kind of buffer the edges of, um, not eating and, you know, sometimes we end up skipping meals because we're taking care of baby. Um, just, to, and you know what, something really simple, which is staying hydrated because being dehydrated is really often overlooked, but it can cause us to feel really tired and depressed. So making sure to keep a water bottle with you, um, drink lovely postpartum, like nettles tea is a great tea to drink, to provide some trace minerals and you can use adaptogens postpartum. 
Okay. Yep. And those can be, those can come in really handy when you are sleep deprived and stressed. And I personally have used them um, with both of my postpartums and they've helped a ton. And there's even new uh, coffee alternatives that include some of these adaptogens too, that can be used. Exactly. Um, Just stick with the gentle ones like ashwagandha, holy basil, reishi, the more stimulating ones. Like I would stay away from ginseng, um, and even rhodiola can be okay. Just pay attention to baby once you start taking them. If baby's suddenly waking up at night or fussier, you know, go with a more gentle one. Okay. Well, I'm not going to keep you here all day, even though I want to talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> so wrapping up to let you go, is there anything that we didn't cover on the spectrum, you know, going from trying to conceive to postpartum that you really think, you know, you want to stand on um, a platform and just shout as loud as you can so that people hear it? You know, is Oh my there gosh, there's so many things. I would say with postpartum, you know, one area we didn't talk about is just return to sex. And this is such a huge area. We could do like a two hour talk just about that together. But I think this is a really important area to also listen to your own body and pace yourself and not feel pressured to resume anything that you're not ready to resume, even if it means pleasuring your partner with and and letting your partner feel that, but without, um, anything that you're, I'm, I'm, I don't like if moms have kids listening, so I'm just using my language carefully, but um, <laughs> often moms will be like, my kid recognizes you, Dr. Aviva. They know your voice whenever I put you on in the car seat. So Aww. I'm like, when, and they're in the car seat. So I'm always like, mm, what language should I use? But you know, I'm just not going anywhere that you're not ready to go. And that doesn't mean your partner can't experience pleasure in a variety of ways that might include or might not include you. Not, it should not include another person. <laughs> it just should, <laughs> um, Yeah, um, that's a really important area. And it often becomes a source of conflict. You know, you're tired, you're touched out, as I used to say, like, touched out, you can do anything. But like, my boobs are off limits when I'm breastfeeding, you know, Um, finding that area of negotiation that leaves you feeling comfortable is so, so important. And then, you know, one area that I did share with you, um, when we were chatting before we started recording it that I'm really passionate about is obstetric violence. And we know that um, as many as 30% of women postpartum now are reporting PTSD or an experience that they had of trauma. And I don't want that to be scary for anyone who's pregnant and listening, but um, unexpected C-sections, interventions that happened that they didn't feel like they got enough warning about or enough inclusion in the discussion about or women planning a natural experience who feel like they were bullied into something that... um, they didn't want, there's a lot of, a lot of complicated stuff going on in obstetric care from the way we're talked to and treated, um, to the inter level of intervention. So if you're feeling postpartum, that something happened in your birth experience that left you feeling unsettled or uncomfortable or worse, you know, like there was trauma or abuse, um, uh, it's super important to find someone that you can talk with, whether that's a perinatal psychologist, um, you know, in, in the next year or so, I'm going to be offering more services through my website. Um, there's the motherhood center that's recently opened in New York. Places like that may have online services, but get, get that out of your system by talking and doing the healing work instead of just living with it or, you know, stuffing it because it can, it can really affect your experience as well. And you deserve to have healing around that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it's a really important topic and it's hard to talk about because, like you say, you don't want to scare anybody, but you also don't want to not 
talk about it because there's people that feel shame and aren't speaking up. And we, we had a podcast interview about this. And I just want to reiterate the point that um, regarding this topic, that it doesn't just go away. I think, you know, we think, well, over time it will go away and I won't have these fears or this trauma. I won't carry it with me. But if you're not speaking up about it and getting it out of your system and working with a professional, it's going to stick around with you. So it's better. It to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really important to, to, to talk about that. And a lot of times women are told or internalize, well, yeah, that was horrible, but you have a healthy baby or, mm. you know, and that is a justification. And while that may be true, it doesn't mean that what you went through also wasn't horrible for you in your own way. And it, it shows up in a lot of ways. Like, some women have an experience of birth trauma and they feel like their partner didn't stand up for them, but their partner may have not stood up for them because they were scared or they were told something terrible was going to happen. I talked with a woman recently who was really disappointed because she had told her doula that she could take some photographs at the birth, but the doula didn't support her and just took photographs the whole time at the birth. So it can come up in funny little ways that, um, you may feel like you're being petty, but it doesn't really matter. If it's bothering you, it's bothering you. And journaling about it, writing a letter about it, and having someone who can help you process it and release it is so important. Yeah. And there's that saying, trauma is in the eye of the beholder, right? So mm -hmm. it really, it doesn't matter what other people think. If that was traumatic to you, then that's completely valid. And, you know, what's interesting is that it, it, you may not have experienced that trauma in, in the birth room, but maybe your partner that was with you that saw something that maybe you didn't or experienced something a different way, they could also be navigating this too, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we will we'll stop here. Um, but thank you so much for your time. You really gave us a good idea of what we can do to take back our control and feel our best throughout this journey. So I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time. And oh my gosh, such a total pleasure. <laughs> and we have an audience that's made up of both healthcare practitioners and mamas and mamas to be, and uh, you know maybe some of both. So can you share with our listeners, you know, where we can find more about you and more about your online services? Absolutely. So the best places to reach me and find out about what I'm doing are my website, avivaram.com, my Facebook page, which is avivarammd, and my Instagram, which is avivaram. So super easy to find me. And I tend to post a lot of stuff across those platforms. Um, one thing to do if you want to really hang out with me is go to my website and download any of the free things that are there. You can opt out at any time you want. You won't get obnoxious emails, but that's a way to get my blogs and find out announcements when I'm offering new programs. Um, yeah, as, as you know, my background is as a midwife. Um, the last few years have been really focused on adrenal and thyroid work because that book came out. But this coming year, um, I'm going to just be bringing so much new pregnancy uh, fertility, preconception pregnancy and postpartum uh, work to my website and my social media. And then in December 2020, I have a hormone book coming out. So there's going to be a lot on fertility, endometriosis, PCOS, period problems, fibroids, perimenopause. It's, it's very exciting. So just come out, you know, come hang out and see what I'm doing. It's, it's really the best way. I do have, uh, for those of you who are really interested in women's herbal medicine, 
I have my level course that is it's super comprehensive. It comes with my textbook. I li- I can say that I actually truly literally wrote the textbook on women's herbal medicine because I did. And um, I translated a lot of that information into a course that is relevant for doulas, midwives, childbirth educators, but also women who want to be more empowered and use primarily herbal medicine. And then all of the other things I mentioned, there'll be more courses coming out in 2020 and 2021 on my website. So I'm really excited. I'm excited for you too. <laughs> really, you've written so much information. I feel like if anybody goes on your website, avivaram.com, that's um, with two M's, you can just search and you'll find what you're looking for. And you'll find oh, yeah. like such like rough, well-referenced and well-balanced information. And your Thank books you. are fantastic too. Like I have your natural pregnancy book, your adrenal thyroid revolution book. I have your botanical medicine for women's health book. I'm in your botanical medicine course. I pretty much love everything that you do oh, so and I forgot too there's all the children's health stuff you know I always yeah. jokingly say that I take care of kids because they're really cute but also because you're only as happy as your unhappiest child when you're a mom so there's also a whole wealth of online um, natural kids natural medicine for kids including a couple of courses around immunity and kids health and also allergies eczema and kids health so th- there's all that great stuff there on the website too Oh, yeah, I'm in those two. <laughs> I have everything of yours. I okay. love it. Thank you for that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And we will link to everything that we talked about in these two episodes. Um, we'll put that in the show notes, all the links to the websites and your online services and your books so that people can dive into getting to know you better if they haven't already. But I'm sure many of our listeners are in love with you as well. So oh, thank, thank you. you well, the feeling here. is mutual. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that so much. Um, and we will talk again soon good luck with um your upcoming book launch and we will have you back on the podcast to share more about that book amazing thank you Thanks for listening to today's episode with Dr. Aviva Ram, part two. And don't forget to join us on next week's episode to learn more about our exciting podcast rebrand. Next week, you'll learn more about why we're changing our name from Whole Mamas Podcast to the Dr. Mom Podcast, what this means for you as a listener, and how we're pivoting to better support you on your motherhood journey. If you enjoy this episode, please let us know by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. And please remember that the views and ideas presented on this podcast are for informational purposes only. All information presented is for informational purposes and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a healthcare provider. Consult with your provider before starting any diet, supplement regimen, or to determine the appropriateness of the information shared on this podcast or if you have any questions regarding your treatment plan. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family.